believe you're the savior of our soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Bram, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. But I, I was a little slow to recognize this, but as the church grew numerically, I began to realize that the U.S. government would ensure that, that was, the church stayed fluid because people would be redeployed or moved on. And the deans would head to Iwakuni, Japan, and these people go here, and these people go there, and they get deployed there, and these Navy SEALs are now going to go down here to Pensacola. And you realize, like, they're all coming and going. And what I found to be a great challenge as a pastor of a primarily military church is getting people to make friendships. Because friendship hurts. It's hard to say goodbye to friends. And military families, they tend to kind of keep the guard up sometimes because you'll make friends, but you don't want to get too close. So when you get redeployed and you get sent somewhere else, it's going to rip your heart out to say goodbye to these people. But you can't be afraid to do that. You can't, you can't be afraid to live and do that. You can't be afraid to experience that friendship. And if you're one step from eternity or one step from a deployment or one step to be you know, sent somewhere else, then that's okay. But be in the moment. So bountifully friendship of the covenant in Jesus' name. Because we are all one step from eternity. And the friends we make in time in with the Lord, they're the friends of eternity. We're going to glory. And so friendships to get glory. Now, another thing we see. So it didn't stop him from living and having friends. And experiencing the hurt and heartache of friendship. Because 2 Samuel chapter 1, David is so gutted with the news of the death of Jonathan and Saul. That it's an entire chapter where he's just sobbing and weeping. Because he can't just go to Jerusalem and see, see them. They're gone. And he'll have to become king on his own without his best friend by his side. 30 mighty men, yes. Now he's in his 30s. It's a different life than when he was in his 20s. New friends, different friends. It never stays the same, but... Friendship is everything. And the loyalty of true friends is very powerful. But also in this one step from the grave is the reality of of enemies. We've talked about this. You're going to have enemies because you're a follower of Christ. Jesus said, do not be surprised the world hates you. It hated me first. The moment you give your life to Christ, there are certain people whose political views and ideologies and worldviews or world religions make them diametrically opposed to you. You're not opposed to them. Jesus is for you. We're not against anybody. Christ on the cross is for everybody. But we have enemies. So there is the reality of enemies. And you might have enemies because people don't like the way you look. Pastor Chuck more than once there at Calvary Coast Mesa talked about how we had people who didn't like him just because he was Pastor Chuck and he didn't have hair. He said, you know, there's some people who don't like bald people. And they don't like me. There's some people who don't like attractive people because they are jealous of attractive people. There's some people who don't like you at all just because they don't like you. 
The color of your skin, your gender, what you do for a living, how you laugh, how you don't laugh, how you smile, how you frown. They just don't like you. They might be your neighbor. They might be relatives. They might be in-laws. <laughs> and you can't make them like you. And more importantly, you can't get them off, make them, let them get you off your game being who you are. You're one slippery step from the grave. One step from the grave. You got a life to live, and you don't have time to stop living because people throw spears at you. Now, you learn when someone throws a spear at you, when you go back in the, in the king's palace, you'll probably look, keep an eye out for that spear. That's just wisdom. Knowledge, understanding. Knowledge, that guy throws spears. Understanding, if I get hit by that spear, I'm dead. Wisdom, look out for the guy throwing the spears. But you can't make Saul stop throwing spears. So you have to figure out how to live for the Lord, trust the Lord with the anointing oil on your head from Samuel the prophet, and live your life to the fullest one step from the grave in spite of the man throwing spears at you. When you're hiding in a field for three days, you can't make the man in the palace say, oh, I actually really like my son-in-law, David. If he's going to call his son, Jonathan, the son of a harlot, and throw his spirit, his own son, you can't make that guy be normal. You can't make him be rational or reasonable. You just need to make sure that his spirit is outside your wheelhouse. That's what you make sure of. In the human experience, there are people like Saul who are going to throw spears at you. For whatever reason, they decide to. Your faith, your appearance, your ethnicity, your economic class, anything. Human beings throw spears at each other. And Saul threw spears. But in dealing with enemies, we have to fall back what Jesus says to love and forgive our enemies. Life is too short as a vapor to harbor bitterness toward our enemies. Now, we all know it's not an easy fix. We all wish there was a button. It's like, oh, no longer hurt by my enemies. Push this button. There's no pain. No, there's pain. When people try and steal your wealth, destroy your name and the credibility of who you are and everything you've worked for, come in, they want to run the company that you've ran for 30 years, and they know what they're doing. They're going to be gone in six months anyways, but you've got to put up with it. Yeah, that will push a button with you. And you'd like to have a button that you could push like, hey, just forgive them, whether it was a deep wound or a shallow wound. But the Lord has that, that, that cure. The book of Jeremiah talks about the healing balm of Gilead. And the ultimate healing balm of Gilead is the Holy Spirit coming upon our lives and working inside our heart, allowing us to forgive and let go of other people. Life is too short to hold bitterness. And it's also too short to be crippled in the wilderness worrying about what the guy in the palace is doing with his spear. You've got to live your life in the wilderness in your 20s, and you can't be consumed with what this guy who controls your universe is doing and plotting in the palace behind your back with his spear and his malice against you. It's a horrible thing to wake up with malice in your heart toward another human being. It'll destroy you. It will always destroy you. So as much as I'd exhort us to make friends, I'd also tell us, hey, if you need to forgive people on April 30th, if it's hockey, you know, hockey is three periods, right? It's in the first period tonight. Little horn. You know, when they all skate off and they're all going on their skates, walking to the locker room at the end of the first period in hockey. That's what April 30th is, the third of the year. We're all like, Let's, we're going in. It's, it's break time. We're going in. And what do you do when you go and you think about it? So there's a think about it study tonight.
a third of the way through 2022. We didn't know what 2022 was going to bring us, did we? We lost everyone started out really sick in January. Well, here we are. We got a war in Europe. We got all kinds of stuff going on. We got a stock market crashing. <laughs> so, hey, skates on, big pads, go to the locker room, think about it, see what the coach says, Coach Jesus. No room for malice toward anyone. We have to forgive. So if tonight, right now, the Holy Spirit's telling you you need to forgive somebody, it may not be automatic, but you need to be aware of it and you need to go after it. And you need to recognize that you're vulnerable right there, strengthen the walls of Jerusalem, if you will, and forgive that person and be aware to forgive that person. I've said this many, many times. You know when you've forgiven someone, if you run into them at Target or Whole Foods and you have no bitterness and you're not afraid to walk down the aisle and see them and give them a hug. That's when you know you're free. You don't want to see them in the parking lot at Albertsons and go, oh, I'm not doing this, and just drive away. You just, Jesus, Jesus called Judas friend when he kissed him and betrayed him. We can't make people like us, and we can't live in fear of men because the fear of men is a snare. But we can purpose in our heart to forgive our enemies, to love on them, and to get from here to the end of the journey when we do step one step into eternity, to not have that malice. When I was with my father-in-law before he stepped into eternity during the first year of COVID, and we were able to go visit him because he was going to pass, and I was there with him. I said, Jesus is going to come. You're going to see him. Like, you're laying here. Billy's going to come. He's going to come in the room. He's coming for you. He's probably coming tonight. So prepare to meet your maker. Like, literally. Like, I mean... The truth is the truth, right? Truth is truth. And when I'm in a situation where I speak like that, I just think I can't possibly have, I don't want to be in that position with any malice toward anyone. Do you? Do you? When, when God sends a messenger to you in that moment, do you want to sit there and think, people that you never forgave and they're already gone and you can't ask for forgiveness or you need to ask forgiveness from them or you just need to forgive them? Like, you want to be free. And if you're free today, you'll be free tomorrow. Or if at least you know where you're vulnerable and you're letting God work on it today, you'll be better off on it tomorrow. You'll be proactive and not stumble in to bitterness and wrath and malice. But you're like, no, we just, the Bible tells us to take every thought captive and obedient to Christ, which means it's capable of being done because God wouldn't tell us to do it if we couldn't do it. It's self-determination. And I know I'm vulnerable toward these people. And so I know, I like this. There's, because the scary thing about Spears is you got one too. Oh, you got one too. And when you feel bitterness and malice and anger towards someone, you're like, oh, and the devil's like, hey, here's your spear. Try it on, pick it up. Yeah, I give a little javelin action. You know, like, hey, this is what they're saying at the palace. Look, here's your spear. He throws a spear, you throw a spear. But what separates us from the world and from being the animal kingdom in Jesus' name by the blood of the, the lamb is the ability supernaturally by the grace of God to forgive and live with malice toward none. And that's how we have to be. And I believe David was very much that way. Because when the news came that Saul was dead, he didn't rejoice. He wrote a song and wept. That's a beautiful thing. So enemies are real and we need to forgive them. And we can't be paralyzed by them by their threats, by the fears they'd impose upon us, whether they're government or family, estranged family or whatever. We just cannot live that way. We have to be free to live by faith.
which brings us to chapter 21. In chapter 21, as David is fleeing from Saul, he comes to uh, Ahimelech the priest, there where the tabernacle is, and He's hungry. He doesn't have anything. He, he asks for uh, food. It's a great, it's, we study this in detail on Tuesday, but they have the showbread, and the showbread is religious bread. And uh, the priest goes, oh, man, you, you, you can't eat the showbread. David's like, the bread's common. This is bread. And, of course, Jesus mentions this passage in the Gospel of Matthew where he talked about that the Pharisees missed the importance of mercy and compassion, which is what David found in this story. So when Jesus interprets this passage for us in the New Testament, he's shown us that God did approve of David, God was with David, and God blessed David, saying, it's just bread. Like, stop being religious. This is the real deal. It's bread. We need food. And they're like, hey, had the men been with women? If they haven't been with women for three days, that's at least good. You know, they've got some purity there. Let's just go with that. Yeah, we're all good. We haven't seen our wives in three days. Everything's good. Everything's good. It's just bread. And David said, he goes, in effect, it's just bread. It's just bread. So he gets the food. God provides for him. And there, he's looking at his life. He's not sure where he's going. He's not sure what he's doing. Another enemy, Dog the Edomites there, who is in charge of the finances. When you're in charge of the herds of Saul, that means you're his stockbroker. You're his investor. You get cows that make more cows, sheep that make more sheep, goats that make more goats, healthy goats, striped goats, speckled goats. Dog the Edomite is not an Israelite, but he's smart with money and business. And kings love people that are smart with money and business. And he works for Saul. And Dog the Edomite sees David, and David's a threat to his brokerage firm. He's a threat to his commissions. And Dog the Edomite is a very bad man and we'll read about him on Tuesday, a week from Tuesday in the next chapter. He'll kill priest. He'll kill anybody anything gets in his way because dog bows to his wealth, and it's never enough. But in the midst of this, David's just trying to figure out, what am I doing in life? He's going to be drooling on his chin, on his beard, before this chapter's done amongst the Philistines because he doesn't know what to do. He's one set from eternity, and he's lost his compass. The Lord is his only compass, And he's like, Abimelech's afraid. He's afraid. Everyone's afraid. Saul's made everybody afraid. Dog's going to do this. The Edomite. Man, it's just bread. Can we just eat the bread? It's just bread. Yeah, you're right. It's just bread. And he's there, the man with the heart for God, the teenager who who fought the bear and the lion, fought Goliath. He's like all, all league MVP, everything. He's a, like the lowest point of his life, the man he loved, Saul, because it says that he loved Saul earlier on when he came to the palace. He was the worship leader for Saul. He got fired, th- spears thrown at him. He's no longer allowed to be with his best friend. He can't be with his wife, Michael, Saul's daughter. He doesn't have his wife. He doesn't have his best friend. He doesn't have his boss. He didn't even have food. He is one step from eternity, just like all of us. Paul the Apostle said, you know, where he says, I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. It's a beautiful verse. We often think about like, yeah, we can win the Super Bowl or something. But it really means I can get by with much or little. I've learned to abound into a base. And I've learned that I therefore can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. The context is like, I've owned it all and I've lost it all. And I've learned Jesus is over the top, the highest level. He's in the lowest valley. He's got it. That's what David's learning here. 
But in the midst of this uncertainty, he says in verse 8 to Ahimelech, Is there not on hand a spear or a sword? For I have bought neither my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business requires haste. And of course, David's lying about all this. So the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, there it is, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you will take that, then take it, for there is no other except that one here. The only sword around here is the sword of Goliath that you captured. And David said, there is none like it. Give it to me. Man, what a profound statement. This could have been the whole message. There's none like it. Yeah, you think? In all Israel, there's no sword like the sword of Goliath. Make no mistake. That's not any sword. That's the sword of Goliath. And that's not any person asking for a sword. That's David who saved the nation of Israel when he killed the giant and cut off his head with that sword. That sword is the flashpoint of the apex of the high tide mark of the greatest act of faith that David has had in his life up to this point in time, most likely. I mean, killing a bear is a big deal. Killing a lion is a big deal. Killing the giant in front of the entire nation, that might be a bigger deal. And remember, in the story we saw last week, Goliath is, is probably nine feet tall. His armor is 150 pounds. And he says, I'm going to cut your head off and feed you to the birds. And David goes, no, I'm, ta- I'm going to one-up you. I'm going to cut your head off and feed your entire army to the birds. Man, the faith, the courage, the conviction, the character, the power of purity, the power of faith in David's life that day when he ran at Goliath with five stones and a shepherd's staff is all time. It's just all time. If you're going to the Hall of Fame of great people in human history who live by faith, we're going to the David exhibit. And we're going to go see the five stones, the shepherd's staff, and the sword of Goliath. Man, that's the taunting of the world. That's human power, that sword. And when we live by faith, we, we take that captive. The earth is the Lord's everything there in it. That's why you never worry about losing everything. Because you leave behind anyways. So what if you lose it? You're going to lose it when you step into eternity. So be faithful, two, four, five, ten, sow it, and keep sowing, and then step into eternity. We know one needs to panic about houses aren't affordable, inflation's 20%. Listen, it all gets stuck here. So 350,000 people stepped into eternity today, and they left their wealth behind. And the earth is the Lord's everything they're in it. He redistributes it. If he wants to give you houses, he'll give you houses. If he doesn't, he'll take your house. So live by faith and learn that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. But by all means, go get Goliath's sword. What I like about the sword is it wasn't enshrined in David's room at the palace. Like, what if it was on display? Of course, when you work for Saul, you don't display Goliath's sword in the, in the same house. That's not going to go over too well with the in-laws. Because Saul, of course, didn't go get the sword himself. But like the woman grabbing Jesus' tassel with the flow of blood, That was her flashpoint of faith. She touched his tassel, and healing went out. Power went out of Jesus to heal her when she touched his tassel. There are certain things that are flashpoints of faith. Moses with the second set of the Ten Commandments, that's a flashpoint of faith. There's just, there's certain things. When I went to Israel 30 years ago, and Pat Robertson paid for it, which is pretty cool. I was there for seven days. In the Garnet of I didn't know if it was kosher or not. I grabbed a little stone. 
because Jesus said on the day of the trumpet entry, if they don't cry out, these rocks would cry out. And I grabbed a little stone, and it's on my windowsill. With the Israel coffee cup, I got on the same trip that has a crack, so you can't use it anymore. But I look at that Israel coffee cup every day, and it just reminds me how it was a great memory. I went to Israel. Pat Robertson paid for it. And that little stone, it's on my counter. It's a little teeny stone. And years ago, I wrote really small, Jesus. Because Jesus is his name. And the stones will cry out, Jesus. Worthy is the lamb, Revelation 5. But the stones will cry out. And I got that little teeny stone. Now, I got a rock from Little Round Top, where Chamberlain's 20th Maine held the, the left flank at Gettysburg on day two and saved the nation. I got that with Timmy. He was in sixth grade. We were doing a youth conference, a youth camp. And we went to, we went to, went to Gettysburg. It went to a little, mount, a little round top, the left flank, the bayonet charge, one of the famous stories of American history. I grabbed a stone. I'm like, hey, right here, 150 years ago, these men stood, ran out of ammo, and fought to save our nation. Chamberlain, who became governor of Maine for four terms, he held the left flank, and the country held together. If that flank falls, the Confederates march on D.C. and we're two countries. I got that too. These are little things, little things that remind me of great acts of courage or moments with my kids. In my Bible, I have this. Well, this is from my mom's little prayer book. It's still in this Bible. <laughs> I've got my, I've, I voted on the recall. <laughs> it's there. This is my mom's prayer journal. But look at this one. This is the best right here. These are like the swords of Goliath. Earlier this year, I dropped off my granddaughter at Awanas in Florida. And that's a little tag they put on her at Calvary Chapel Vero Beach. And off she went to her classroom. Just makes you want to cry, doesn't it? All you grandparents, so beautiful. Clementine Baran. That's my granddaughter that lives in Vero Beach, Florida. And I dropped her off at Awanas like I did with my kids at North Coast Calvary 30 years ago. Yeah. These are your swords of Goliath. These are your flashpoints of faith. It might be Clementine's sticker, that moment that you lived, that, that day you lived and took your granddaughter to church and you lived to see that day. So every Goliath sword God ever gives you, every human experience he gives you, you live by faith, and you grab that stone from the Garden of Gethsemane. You grab that stone from Little Round Top, because that's a special day with you and your son, Timmy, when he's still a boy in the age of innocence in sixth grade, and he plays Little League. The sword of Goliath is the flashpoint of God's past faithfulness. The sword of Goliath is the promise of a better future because God who's faithful in the past will be faithful in the future because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what it is. And the moment Ahimelech brought that sword out and David grabbed that sword, it was a reminder, that very moment, of God's faithfulness in yesterday, which is God's faithfulness in today and God's faithfulness for tomorrow. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Yes, we are one step from eternity. For surely we are. But there's friendships to be made, enemies to be forgiven, and stories to tell, and flashpoints of faith 
for each and every day. Fill your life, WG, a reminder even today with two memorials this last week, both powerful and very different in their own right. Fill your life with the swords of Goliath. Let God show his victory to you in your life. Do not be crippled by fear and unbelief and the fear of men, but take great steps of faith because fortune favors the brave. Spiritual fortune, eternal wealth. Jump out of the crowd like that woman and grab the tassel of Jesus and be healed. That's what I see here. That's what I saw Tuesday night. And that's what I bring back tonight to us on Saturday. We can never get away from the reality we're moving toward eternity. Which means all the more reason to live life to the very fullest. Expanding the kingdom of friendships for eternity. Forgiving those who throw spears at us. And grabbing that sword of Goliath, going like, you know what? Even on your darkest day, when you got Goliath's sword, you go like, you know, it's a good memory. And no one can take it from me. And I'm going to go act like a madman in the gates of the Philistines next week. But the reminder of God's faithfulness is by my side. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brandt. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.